0: Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our Expositions through the Old Testament Book of Daniel. We're currently in chapter 4 at verse 1. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 4 of the Book of Daniel where it says this. Nebuchadnezzar the king to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth. May your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, and how mighty are His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream and it made me fearful. And these fantasies as I lay on my bed and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. So I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners came in, and I related the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. But finally Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, "'Since I know that a spirit of the holy gods is in you "'and no mystery baffles you, "'tell me the visions of my dream "'which I have seen along with its interpretation. "'Now these were the visions in my mind "'as I lay on my bed. "'I was looking, and behold, "'there was a tree in the midst of the earth, "'and its height was great. "'The tree grew large, and it became strong, "'and its height reached to the sky.' and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it. I was looking in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, Descended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke as following Chop down the tree, and cut off its branches, strip off its foliage, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it, and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it, in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and bestows it on whom he wishes, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, Tell me its interpretation, inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. I'm going to uh, stop right there. I'm going to read some more in chapter 4, and uh, uh, verses 19 through 27 in uh, a few moments. But let's uh, look at this passage and catch up a little bit in in what I have read so far. It is a little m- more difficult to to do a verse by verse exposition when you're dealing with a narrative or that is a story that's being told, and that means we have to read a lot more of the story in order to get to uh, the some of the things that we want to pull out and and uh, pay attention to. First of all, I want to give you a little bit of a summary of where we are. And that means in chapter four is this tract. This is a, an official tract, evidently some sort of a, a, uh, and a, a document that the King himself composed, and he is now sending it out to his kingdom, to his subjects in the kingdom and some sort of a missive or letter, you might say. And, uh, this uh, is his own testimony. And that's exactly what it is because he starts with his conclusion in many regards. We kind of know where he's headed with this. And yet at the same time, this is a, a fantastic drama in many regards. The fact that this uh, pagan king has now written this gospel tract, although it's not a gospel tract in the New Testament sense of the word, and yet it is a testimonial to his encounter uh, as he has progressed in his understanding of the God of Daniel. Now, he uses language in this uh, passage uh, that would remind you that he comes from the background of paganism and lots of idolatry. He still uh, refers to Daniel as as uh, having his own God and as having the spirit of the gods, which is uh, the only way he knows how to, to explain it, at least at that point in his life, before he encounters the God most high. And, uh, and yet in the meantime, he gives you this idea that he wants other people in the kingdom to know what has happened to this king, what has happened to Nebuchadnezzar. So he writes this testimonial tract. Uh, So this is the prologue, verses 1 through 3, and then there is the cult, uh, consultation that takes place in verses four through nine. And then there's the vision that includes both the tree and the lumberjack angel. I'm going to call him a lumberjack because he tells uh, somebody to chop it down. And uh, and so then verses 19 through 27 uh, is where Uh, there is an interpretation and an invitation being given, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Now, later on, we're going to talk about the story itself, how it unfolds in Nebuchadnezzar's life uh, after receiving this dream and the interpretation from Daniel. Then uh, this plays out, and it's fulfilled almost a year later, but he includes it here. Now, uh, in order to kind of summarize these by chapter by chapter, a fellow by the name of Dale Ralph Davis has uh, summarized chapter two as uh, the title God Reveals. Chapter three is God Rescues, and chapter four is God Rules. And we're about to find that out with this tyrant of a king and uh, this dictator of sorts, you might say. Uh, That's exactly what he is. He's brutal. He is uh, unfeeling in many regards, and yet uh, uh, there is a crevice in his soul that he recognizes something about Daniel, although it is slow in coming, and that crevice, uh, it doesn't seem very big that he is able to let in the God of Daniel, even though uh, Daniel has made an impression, and Daniel's God is making an impression on this king. But still yet, after receiving... uh, receiving this vision now uh, in the prologue, he he gives a, a little portion of worship, uh, which already gives you a hint that this uh, this is not going to be a surprise when he comes to his own conclusions. But uh, this is the way he introduces it in the prologue because he talks about the wonders and the signs of the Most High God. He says how great are, are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. You see the conclusion that this man came to, that he was willing to declare that Daniel's God is in control. What an amazing step that he has taken to bring this heart over to this place and yet uh, this has not been easy and we 're going to find out how difficult this is this has been for this particular king to have been humbled to the degree of declaring that God is the one whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and that means that uh, that gives you the hint you see that this Nebuchadnezzar has, um, in many regards, given up the fact that he has a legacy that will continue because that's what he wanted to do, Uh, even even though he was the head of gold in the original statue uh, dream, uh, and yet that head of gold was replaced by another kingdom, and that kingdom was replaced by a third, and that kingdom was replaced by a fourth. That the Babylonian kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar was, was reigning over was not going to be permanent. And, and yet he wanted it to be permanent. That's the reason why he built the statue, all of gold as an idol, because he was in defiance of God's word as it was revealed through Daniel about the impermanence of the, the, uh, empire of Babylon over which he ruled. And so now it's almost like a 180 degrees turn for this man to declare that God and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. What a change this man has made. Now, uh, it hasn't been easy and that's what we're about to get to because he's had this vision of this tree and of this lumberjack angel. And, uh, and and what's what's interesting is his default setting uh, is still going to these these uh, magicians and conjurers and and Chaldeans and diviners. He he still goes to them first. Why he does, I don't know. Because they've always failed him, and and yet Daniel has always succeeded in giving the right words at the right time. And uh, uh, these other professional expert advisors uh, were completely wrong almost all the time. In fact, in this book, they are wrong all the time. They can't ever bring it out of uh, how to predict uh, Nebuchadnezzar's future. And yet Daniel does, and he can do so. And what's interesting is they can't do it, but Daniel uh, can. And and Nebuchadnezzar seems to kind of know that. He says, but finally Daniel came in before me, whether or not the king summoned him into his presence, we don't know. But uh, uh, somehow Daniel got the invitation and he came. And so uh, uh Nebuchadnezzar pleads with him and he gives him it gives him the the uh, dream itself the contents so Daniel isn't forced into the same uh uh, kind of uh exercise that he had before where the king had to uh, uh, uh had to demand that he, he give him the dream first but instead the king uh told him what he knew and then Daniel is about to interpret it for him so this is about a tree a tree that grows tall a tree that encompasses what in essence would be a blessing to the whole earth in in many regards and uh, economically and and uh Uh, culturally and every other sort of way. But then it's told to chop it down and then to put a band around the stump. Why? Because there is still hope for that stump to have greenery uh, grow out of it and it to be a tree once again. So we'll get to Daniel's interpretation of that dream uh, right after this break. Enjoy the music. Welcome back to the second segment of this episode. We are still in Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading the next section, which is verse 19. So let's begin. Verse 19 of chapter 4 of the book of Daniel, where it says this, Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar replied, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky, and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the sky lodged, it is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong, and your majesty has become great and reached to the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. In that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it upon whomever he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O King, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness, and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. So we find here, daniel 's interpretation of the dream that 's one of the reasons why I chose not to get into the details of of uh, nebuchadnezzar's uh, r- relating this to Daniel in the previous verses because uh, the details are actually recovered again in the interpretation and I wanted the the um, the narrative, the the king's story to be told uh, without a whole lot of comment necessarily, because Daniel makes his commentary here. And uh, that's what's important because we wanted to get to that before the end of this particular episode. So that Daniel uh, is still going by this uh, uh, Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, and it says that he was alarmed uh, by the thoughts of this dream and that that means that this shook up daniel well it shook up the king originally but i think it's quite uh, interesting and intriguing the fact that it shows you something of the insight of uh of the character of the rapport uh, the relationship that that these two men had there yes uh this uh tyrant king this dictator type uh, brutal pagan king uh, had no idea what the god of Israel the god of Daniel was about at all all he knew was his his uh, panoply of gods and uh and yet and yet uh, he understood and recognized something in Daniel that gave evidence of who this God was. And so this was not their first encounter at all. Uh, they have history, you see. And that's, uh, that's exactly what is going on here in the sense that when Daniel gets alarmed by the very dream that the king got Uh, frightened by. It's interesting that the king gives comfort to Daniel, the Jewish prophet. That's very fascinating to me that uh, he says, don't let the dream or its interpretation alarm you uh, because uh, he has some sort of confidence that Daniel knows things and it's just a matter of getting past the fear and letting it out and and telling the king the interpretation, no matter how hard it may seem. And he seems to have confidence in Daniel's integrity and uh, that Daniel uh, needed to just get over his fear and uh, stop being alarmed by this uh, dream and instead just give it to me. And that's exactly what he does. So he says, this tree is is you Nebuchadnezzar, just like the the head of gold in the original dream was the king Nebuchadnezzar. That is the 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 uh, the uh, empire of Babylon over which he ruled. And so now it seems to be more personal, although it has to do with the kingship. It has to do with the the influence, the 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 amount of power that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had had. Uh, uh, had been given, or at least that, that he exercised this influence, this, uh, perhaps it was material. Maybe it was cultural, maybe it was financial and, and the exchange of goods and services and, and all of those things impacted perhaps the globe, the entire world in some form or manner or another, or at least the then known world. Uh, and, uh, and so that's exactly what happens. He says. He says other people got the benefit of this kingdom of this empire. Other people relished the uh, the exchange that this empire was able to give them culturally and financially and uh, success and the food and and everything else that come out of this kingdom. He says it is you, O kings. Notice that in verse twenty two. This is the way to interpret the scripture: is to allow the Bible to interpret itself. So you don't have to scratch your heads about what the tree is supposed to symbolize. Daniel is going to tell us, and that is in this case, this tree is Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom. His reign is a glorious reign, and it has impacted many, many people. Yes, he was a brutal tyrant in many regards and yet in also other regards this empire has benefited many other kingdoms many other language groups many other ethnic groups all around in the uh, in the vicinity of the entire region and so so he says, This is you, King. He says, But when the angel said to chop down the tree and destroy it, but yet leave the stump uh, with the roots in the ground and a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field, that gives you a, an idea that this tree was not going to be uprooted. It's going to stay as a stump. And the bands of iron and bronze around the stump meant that this was being reserved so that no other farmer or no other machinery or no other uh, animal or anything else would destroy that stump. It was being protected. It was marked And, and it was being reserved for later and that life would be produced out of this lifeless stump because because sometimes that's exactly what stumps do is that they, they bring forth life out of nowhere. you think that tree is dead because you chopped it down and you cut it down, but there, if you give it time, it may actually produce. First, a leaf and then a sprig. And then, pretty soon, that sprig becomes a new uh, little uh, sapling. And then, that sapling out of that trunk becomes a brand new tree. Well, that's exactly what Daniel says could happen, perhaps. And that's why it's given in this manner. Yes, there will be a humbling. And that humbling includes uh, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time passes over him. And we take this as perhaps seven years worth of humility that this king would be um, plagued with this what you might say, this mental, uh, this psychological judgment in which he roamed the fields like an animal and ate grass like the cattle. And he slept at night with dew uh, on his skin. And that was his environment. That was the, the judgment that he would, uh, he, would be, uh, he would be experiencing. And he says, and this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree. This would be verse 24 in Daniel chapter 4. And he says, uh, uh, which has come upon my lord the king, that you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle, and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And Daniel is pleading with the king saying, this is what this dream means. You will be humbled, humbled so greatly as to take on the demeanor and the actions and the environment of living like an animal in the woods and in the fields, barely existing without any human contact, without any human environment at all, with no glory of being the king, no glory of the empire around you, you will dwell like an animal in the weeds. And, and uh, Daniel says, it's commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree. Verse 26 is where I am. Your kingdom will be assured to you after you have recognized that it is heaven that rules. So Daniel says, you need to come humble humble. Before God, the God of the Most High, the God of Daniel is the God who rules. The God who rules is the one who can take you out of your position, Nebuchadnezzar. Your position now is a gift from God, and if you don't recognize that gift, and that it is truly God's gift to you that you were even in this place, if you don't do that, then you will have to experience this humiliating, period of time of seven years living like an animal. And in fact, he says, he pleads with him. He says, therefore, O king, verse 27 and 20, 27, it says, therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor, in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity Daniel is pleading with this tyrant, brutal, violent, pagan, idolatrous king, and he's saying, you can come to my God, the God most high, and recognize him so that your kingdom wouldn't be taken away from you and given to another, and instead show your humility to him by acts of righteousness and kindness to the poor. You see, this is not a New Testament gospel presentation, but it's pretty close, in the sense that this king was given a message by Daniel to say you can repent, you can repent of your sin, and you can change by the power of the God who rules. And that stump, Nebuchadnezzar, is a stump of promise that there can be new life in you at the end, of this disciplinary action by God. Dear Father, thank you for these words of rebuke, these words of honesty, of integrity, these words who were, uh, who were expressed toward this pagan king in such a way that Daniel was able to plead with him as a friend and say, you need to repent. Dear Father, they may be those of us listening today who need to repent of our sin. I thank you that we have hope through Jesus Christ and his death as the payment for our sin and his resurrection to new life as his offer of eternal life to us as a gift. And so we now turn to him for that work of righteousness on our behalf. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.